0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your- September 7th, 2019, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at the gorillaposition.com.
1: Yeah.
0: Presented by Hameen Media
1: uh-huh.
0: and in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking a little bit of the bubbly, full gear, ROH, NXT, and the latest from the red and blue. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you, this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news. It is news from across professional wrestling world. Find the entire HTM podcast network online, hittingthemarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show.
2: It's me. It's me. It's at order the beat to the B. Jardo, I want to keep this short and sweet, uh, but i got a few things to mention here because, you know, we we got to get through my terrible part of the show so we can get to your amazing interview, but I do have to tell you, man, as we're sitting here recording on this beautiful, beautiful OHIO Saturday morning, you would absolutely murder me if you knew where I'm recording from because I'm sitting back in the jacuzzi with a little bit of the bubbly.
0: A little bit of the bubbling. It's absolutely hilarious how that has taken off over the course of the last couple of days. We uh we, we do have a big interview coming up a little bit later. Yesterday I had the opportunity to sit down with Miss Teal Piper, the latest signing to WoW Women of Wrestling, and of course the daughter of the infamous Roddy Roddy Piper, Huckleberry. That is an interview. I can't wait for people to hear it. It's just fantastic. She is absolutely hilarious.
2: But as you were telling me, I haven't got to listen to it yet, so uh, it's going to be fresh to me as it is our listeners. It's not certainly something you want to listen to. But you said a personality that's unbelievable. Maybe maybe even exceeds her father, if that's if that's even possible. Well,
0: you, I, and I got to thinking about it. How did this girl become such a good talker? And it's like could you imagine if your father was Roddy Roddy Piper? I mean, just to get a word in, you'd have to be cutting like three minute promos.
2: What, what, how do you think David Flair feels? Oh, gee. well,
0: yeah, that poor bastard. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's start things off with El Champion. Yeah, Chris Jericho. He's had uh, quite the interesting week, Huckleberry. El Champion loses the AEW Championship. The saga of this belt, Huckleberry, has been absolutely hilarious. Have you been following along with all of this?
2: how could you yeah, i mean this is what is sweeping the internet this is the sensation around the nation around the globe I mean, the memes the uh, the different video cuts this is absolutely gold for them and it shows you you know how how you should be a true professional in here in this industry you take this huge negative something you could try to hide you know it's an embarrassment but no you embrace it you take the shoot and you make it a work and now you've got everybody buzzing. This is the focal point of wrestling right now.
0: I mean, this is basically Sammy Callahan hit Eddie Edwards in the face with a baseball bat. I mean, it's on a completely different plane but you know this is just taking a major negative and just turn it into a positive you got to play along you got to be able to make fun of yourself a little bit i can't wait to hear cody tell jericho maybe i won't lose the belt you know like people are gonna throw this right back in his face hey and a, let's even put another
2: twist on this because you know that's what we do here it's what we do on the hitting march pro wrestling podcast so we're, we're we just don't hit the surface. We just don't look at what's going on. We dive in a little deeper. We look at the numbers. We look at the business. We
0: look at the marketing. Think about the steakhouse. How? The, look at the pub they just got through all this. Hell, I saw Matt Hardy was there last night.
2: Okay. Did, did you, They need to get themselves replica belts sent to every place and have people get their picture with it. Oh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. You know, jump on board with this, especially since they're going to national television. They're going to TNT If you want to be on board with this, this is free advertising for you. So if you haven't been following along, this is basically the story as best I can make it out. Jericho flies in. He goes and he grabs his luggage. He has the title. He gets into the limo. They take off for this steakhouse where Jericho is going to have this meeting. Jericho realizes he has the wrong luggage. So he gets out to go to dinner, leaves the AEW championship in the limo along with the bad luggage. Limo driver goes back to the hotel, grabs the bad luggage, takes it in, gets the right luggage, comes out, and the AEW championship is gone. Within a matter of hours, the championship is found in the middle of a highway. By this guy and his wife, they're driving along and they they stop and they pick up this bag. It's like a belt bag and they load it into the car and they take it home. They look inside and they see that, oh, it's a championship belt. So the dude like actually posted on Craigslist, you know, hey, if you lost a championship belt on, on, you know, such and such a highway, I, I found your belt. He goes to Twitter and realizes this is the legit AEW World Heavyweight Championship, and then promptly takes it to the authorities who posted the picture on Twitter and then took it down because they were trying to build it into a storyline. But long story short, Jericho's got the belt back. It seems like some whoever it is that stole this belt thought better of it the second for after thinking about it for about five minutes.
2: Well, you, it's one of those things in. We, we've all done this before, correct? in our younger years. I mean, you and I were a little reckless back in the day. Uh, I, I remember one time it was a, my friend Adam Sell's bachelor party. We were at a Willys, which is like a little sports bar, BW3s kind of thing uh, over in Indiana. And as we're on our way out, they had all these uh, framed jerseys on the wall. So me and my buddies, we lifted a signed Tebow jersey. Oh, my God. Walked right out with it. Walked right out with it. And, we're, and at the time, you know, we're, and we're on top of do little care. We're having a party, right? We knew there was a camera right on us. I've got the jersey on my back. I look up at the camera and wave. Oh, my God. So come the next Thursday, we go to our softball game. That's when I was really competitive in softball. I played at a very high level on that. But it, so our pitcher shows up, and he's uh, Adam, Rick, Joe, come over here like guys uh he he works as a deputy sheriff out that area he's like we were watching footage of someone lifting something off the willies wall and i couldn't believe it was my infield
0: oh no he's like
2: he's like i'm not he's like just make sure next week the jersey shows up in the back of my truck nothing will be asked i'll say it was given to me i'll take it back
0: (sighs) yeah i mean that really seems like that it's one of those cases
2: You know, it's, you freak out story,
0: you know, people freak out. Um, but in the meantime, Jericho just, you know, being cool, calm and collected, you know, takes to his Twitter, takes to his Instagram. And the next thing that you know, Rick, a little bit of the bubbly is the number one trend in the world on Twitter. He now has the number one shirt at pro wrestling tees, and he has knocked off the young bucks, as the number one fastest selling shirt over a 24 hour period in history at pro wrestling tees, they absolutely turned this into a positive.
2: That's what we talk about here. Also, you know, right, right here on the hitting marks Pro wrestling podcast or Mondays in the locker room. Everyone wants to complain. Everyone wants to knock everything. We talk about solutions. How do you twist things? How do you make them better? And they absolutely did this here. And, it, you know, it even it speaks to a, a bigger issue because everyone, oh, you know, it, this age thing, everyone's on The Undertaker, everyone's on Goldberg. But AEW goes and gives their title, you know, gives their title lost, and it gives it back to a 48-year-old. As you mentioned Monday in the locker room, Jared, Jargo, I was going to call you Jared or something there, but Jargo. <laughs> what you mentioned, the difference is he's absolutely at his best right now. He's going out there and putting on tremendous matches. So with the best of his career and his persona, the character work is through the roof. It's on another level. And Jericho continues to elevate himself amongst those elite and professional wrestling.
0: I, when you really look at it, the going back to that first matchup with Kenny in New Japan Pro Wrestling, since then, has Jericho had any less than a four-star match? Like, all of his matches have been four, four and a half. There was one five-star match in there. He's had the matches with Kenny, Naito, Okada, upcoming with Tanahashi, um, the, the second matchup with Cody the matchup with Hangman Page, he's going out there and he's having four, four and a half star matches that go 26 minutes. His cardio is probably the best that it's ever been in his career. Yeah, he's not 30 years old anymore. He's not wrestling a cruiserweight style. He's adapted his style. I think he looks like he's in tremendous shape right now. The When we saw him at All Out, that was the best looking Jericho has been since this entire run really started. You know, when, when Undertaker goes out there and has a 26-minute classic with Seth Rollins for the championship... Cool. Go ahead. Give me Undertaker as the champion, but that's not what we're getting here. We're getting two and a half minutes out of Goldberg. We've got Goldberg and Undertaker dropping each other on their heads, and everybody knows it was an awful match. Like, it's not the same thing. It's it's a completely different standard when it comes to Jericho and his work.
2: Yeah, and I think the bigger picture, you know, within two, three months into his reign, which I believe he will get there, I think we're going to see, you know, maybe up to six month reign out of Jericho, what's gonna really stand out and really separate him from the pack and what we're used to with other, you know, heavyweight champions, is he's gonna be he's gonna be in that middle ground, you know, where where we think of Brock, okay, very less is more. And then when you get to somebody like a Kofi or a Rollins, it's they don't have that personality. When you get out there and talk or they're trying to tell a story, you don't care. It's about them going out there and going 20 minutes. They have to do that every week, so they get overexposed. It's that rinse and repeat. You don't care about the match so much. With Jericho, you're going to have a champion that is there. He is going to captivate you through his persona. He's going to tell stories, but he's only going to have to wrestle once a month, and he's going to give you that effort. He's going to give you everything you expect from a champion. Anyone who is knocking him, I'm sorry, you're very foolish right now, Because he is what you need and what AEW needs representing him. He's going to be a fabulous world champion. And he is going to emerge through the entire ranks of them as the standout. And it's going to set that title apart from everything.
0: I love Jericho putting the title over, too. That, you know, it was more valuable than the Ark of the Covenant. It was more valuable than Han Solo when he was buried in carbonite. You know, it's more valuable than the, the Marcellus Wallace's briefcase he's adding value to the championship. It was, I thought that promo was just absolutely fantastic.
2: And then you got the underlining there while he's putting over the title. What's he doing? It's still not worth his time to panic. He's still
0: celebrating. Yep. A little bit of the bubbly. Absolutely hilarious. You know, I don't think it's any surprise that Jericho has gotten that over for God's sake. He got over the word it, you know, it's Jericho. It's what he does.
2: Let's, Real quick, Jark, let me throw this at you. If they would have went the other direction, how do you think Hangman would be handling this?
0: You know, I was very disappointed when uh, I, I watched the Road to TNT special that came out the other day, first episode. And uh, Hangman, really, the only thing that we got out of that was... Uh, Hangman kind of stoic at the end after losing the AEW championship match. But, you know, earlier in the afternoon, he was introducing everybody to his new horse, Hunter Horse Helmsley. And it, it was it was too comedic for me. That, that was not the demeanor that I wanted to see out of Hangman Page.
2: Uh, you're 100 percent. You know, he needs to be focused. Uh, I think, you know, you come off of something so devastating. This is a moment to make your career. It, it, it defines you if you're the first champion. You've lost that opportunity. And then on the backside of that, you've got that bastard. You got that bastard Pac right up, you know, right up in your
0: face. You shouldn't have time for jokes right now. Right. I mean, you're trying to regroup. You're trying to go forward. Yeah. Do you expect that they'll wait on hangman versus Pac until full gear Saturday, November
2: 9th? I think you have to. And I think that's their mindset with the, how they build things. Right. I mean, you, you just don't give that
1: away.
0: So let's, let's talk a little bit about Full Gear. It's going to go down from the Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore. We Assuming that that match happens at Full Gear, that gives us three matches on top, which they normally do four. Uh, the other matches are going to be Moxley versus Kenny. That match is going down at Full Gear, which I'm excited that we're going to have about six weeks of television that we can actually hype that. And Sports Illustrated, Rick breaks the story the other day it's going to be cody versus jericho for the aew championship i love that si basically laid out everything that we said monday inside the locker room i was going to say uh,
2: si breaks it they get all the credit What over on the Humming media group is you and i that are laying this whole program out we talked about where it should happen how it should happen how you set this thing up
0: Everybody that's been so upset that Cody has been winning all of his matches, now it should make sense why Cody is winning all of his matches because Cody is going to be Jericho feud, and uh, Jericho is just going to put Cody down on November 9th and hold on to the title. Cody can absorb the loss. That's really what this comes down to at this point. You couldn't build Kenny and Cody both as losers at this point. You have to have one of them strong. You have to have contenders for the championship.
2: And I really like it, you know, and people would say, well, why did they choose Cody or for this, you know, to his ego, away and everyone wants to try to read into something that's not there. It makes sense. Do Cody first because your big money later when Jericho is making that great run as a champion, that's when you get into the Kenny feud. Yep. That's your long term.
0: Yep. Absolutely. And we have to rebuild Kenny in the meantime. So, you know, Kenny will be hot enough when it comes, what, I'm thinking probably February for uh, the next AEW pay-per-view? You know, somewhere along those lines. I mean, that's
2: the program. Do you want Kenny Jericho going into WrestleMania season? Because that's when, you know, it, it, it's the hot season. You know, that's when we, even in our game, that's when we look forward to because that's when people are coming back to wrestling. And, and yes, as much as sometimes we knock WWE for their faults in this and that, but they are the trendsetter. And when they are doing well and wrestling is hot and people are looking at them, it's a trickle-down effect. People come back to wrestling. That's just not for AEW. That's for Ring of Honor. That's for New Japan. Uh, that's for Major League Wrestling. That's for every independent. You can see, I see it, you know, when I'm working shows, you know, through Ohio, the, the attendance increases. People are hot about wrestling from January to April. Because it's just built into their nature. It's, it's a consumer basis thing where, you know, they're, they're used to the norm. That's wrestling season. They know things are happening. People are trying. That's when you want to have that program to get hot, especially for television.
0: I do like that they're holding off Kenny and Moxley until November. I think that the, the build on television is absolutely going to help lead up to that match. I, I was terrified that they were going to want to do that, you know, like week three on television.
2: No, I, I think they're smart enough on that. But I, I did want to ask you something about television. Go back to what we were talking in the locker room, Jargo. Uh, we were talking about who should be that opponent for Jericho Week 2 on television. And we threw out some names. We said like Scorpio Sky and all that. You know, right now, there's only two names that stand out to me. I, and now that we know the match is set, I want to ask you, Jargo, who should it be?
0: I, I still lean with Scorpio Sky, man. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, see, in my mind,
2: uh, I, I initially, but I don't want, because everyone's on this age thing, and, and I said Monday in the locker room, maybe not go with with two WWE, you know, former WWE guys. I think Dustin would be a great pick, though, because he's been talking about an opportunity, you know, he wants to do something there. That's going to lend to that story, or MJF.
0: Yeah, but I feel like if you want wins and losses to matter, then people need wins and losses. And Dustin is o-n-one, actually, I think he's o-n-two, and, and MJF is 0 and 2 I mean, to me, if you're, if you, I I think the smarter thing to do would be have Jericho choose his opponent and he picks somebody lower down on the card thinking that it's going to be a real easy just throwaway match, and then whoever it is comes out there and gives him a good 10, 15-minute championship-level match. Jericho just beats him clean, but you get somebody over in a loss that's somebody that's not necessarily as familiar to the masses watching on TNT.
2: Well, I, I think, you know, going back to MJF there, If Jericho's going to choose, that kind of eliminates that win-loss thing. You know, he's not going to play by their rules. So, and then you also want to get somebody over. You want that ultimate exposure. Wouldn't he want to embarrass the the lackey or what he's going to call the lackey, the stooge? Maybe even have him be like, you know, call MJF Cody's Rufus and make those comparisons between those two on television to settle in on people, you know, just settle into their psyche. That, oh, wait a minute, this this is a young Jericho. Go out there have an incredible match, let MJF show what he's got, and Jericho goes over and then moves on to the mentor, you know, the big buddy, the you know, the symbolic big brother in Cody.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely not opposed to that. The only thing that I think that you kind of risk there is the Jericho baby face turn. Because I don't think anybody's gonna cheer MJF over Chris Jericho.
2: If anyone can go out there and get heat and make you hate him, though, it's Jericho.
0: That's true. That's one hundred percent true. You know, I'm happy that you brought up Ralphus because uh, when I think of people that could have potentially stolen that AEW Championship, Ralphus—he—he's right at the top of my list. Uh, hopefully, he's still alive. Yeah, whatever happened to Ralphus? Let's talk a little bit about ROH slash CMLL. Rick, they they kicked off a Global Wars tour this weekend. Um, I got to admit, this one kind of snuck up on me. I, I did not, I wasn't even aware that this tour was happening at this time period. Uh,
2: I, I would have said the same thing, but thanks to our great friend, William Alessia, who's been keeping us up to date on this thing. He had all the breaking news. He, he kept us up to date with what the scheduled matches were. But yeah, I mean, hey. You don't need the dark sheets. You don't need to go to these different websites. All you got to do is go to Facebook, the Hamiyan Media Discussion Group, and you get everything you need from Will.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's incredibly true. Let's talk about last night. They were in Dearborn, Michigan. First night of the tour, saw the kingdom lose to Volador Jr. and Stuka Jr. They use that to set up the uh, Matt Taven versus Volador Jr. match that's going to be happening tonight. Triton goes down to Rush. 8-man CMLL tag team car crash. Villain Enterprises beats team CMLL. Next match saw Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham put down the team of Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry, which is incredibly annoying to me. Kenny King wins a triple threat over Jeff Cobb and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Dak Drapper took on the Haitian Sensation in the Top Prospect Tournament semifinal. Dak Drapper getting the win. Silas Young and McLovin, good friend of the show, Josh Woods, they put down the bouncers. That entire program is becoming one of my favorite parts of ROH, this Josh Woods and Silas Young pairing. Mark Haskin puts down Rhett Titus and Bandito with a big win over Jay Briscoe. Of course, Mark Briscoe out with an injury, so we're going to use Jay as a single, and we have Bandito go over Jay Briscoe. Rick, that one really surprised me for one reason or another. There was a number of matches that
2: really, you know, outcomes on this card that really surprised me. Uh, but yeah, this one absolutely stands out, Jargo. Do you think maybe the story there is it's with the Briscoe? It's it's that transition back into singles. I mean, you know, from you know, just being
0: focused on tag for so long. I mean, I guess I you can tell that story. It's just you know, ROH right now is really hurting on that top tier main event level. Jay Briscoe could absolutely fill one of those spots, but having him come out and lose to Bandito in his first singles match, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that booking. And I like Bandito. I'd love to see him elevate him, but it just seems odd to me.
2: Well, I mean, I, I can see using it, you know, as I just mentioned, though, like first time out, okay, he's got to readjust. You know, it's a different, you know, it's a different psyche when you're in there worrying about, you know, just yourself instead of knowing you've got that tag, you've got that out, you've got to worry about, you know, where your partner is, and you got that, it's a different dance. So, you know, maybe he's refocusing himself. You take this off the Bandito, and Bandito needed a big win like this. This is tremendous for him. You know, someone that's just kind of, you know, falling into that, like, WWE, like, 50, 50, should I, why should I care? Because, you know, he's going to lose the next one out after a, a win, something like that. He's not going to go over in a big match. It's a huge win for him. But then you go with Briscoe, okay, now he's got to refocus. He's got to regroup. You, you take this to your core, and you have to measure up what's really important to you, and then he starts focusing on, okay, I used to be at the top of this, man. I used to be a main eventer. I was one of the greatest chances things I've ever seen. I got to get back there.
0: The other one I didn't really understand was Kenny King winning that triple threat over Jeff Cobb and hot sauce Tracy Williams. Rick, Jeff Cobb is the rightful number one contender, even though he's not getting the next title shot. Why would you put Kenny King over here? Uh, Again, this just seems that, you know, we talk about regularly
2: here, Dargo. And and I don't know if it's just us. Uh, but we regularly agree on this thing that he doesn't click with us, but Ring of Honor refuses to give up on Kenny Cammy. I mean, he's like their Baron Corbin.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about Baron Corbin here in a little bit. Uh, there, there's something going on there that is uh, a bit worrisome. Let's talk about tonight's matchups and going down in Chicago. ROH world title on the line, Volador Jr. versus Matt Taven. Rouge versus Barbaro Cavriado. That one is going to be something to absolutely behold. Then we have a six man tag. Jeff Cobb, Jay Lethal, and Jonathan Gresham take on the CMLL team of Caristico, Stuka Jr., and Triton. Silas Young and Josh Woods take on PJ Black and Okamura. Villain Enterprises take on Lifeblood. Four corner survival match Kenny King versus Dalton Castle versus Marty Skrull versus Colt Cabana in Chicago. That's going to be a ridiculous pop. Proving ground match, Joe Hendry versus Shane Taylor. Shane Taylor, of course, the ROH TV champion. If Hendry wins that match, Shane will be defending the title against him. The Briscoes take on the Bouncers versus the CMLL team of Ray Bucaro and Heicherio. Dante Calabarro versus Austin Gunn in your top prospect semifinal. Rick, I know when we saw Austin Gunn a year ago at All-In, we were both very, very impressed with him.
2: Oh, and looking forward to see this match. And it's great that he's getting this opportunity. Oh, hell, when we saw him there, I, I didn't know if I had too much to drink. I hit a little too much of to bubbly beforehand. I, I thought we were seeing double, you know. It, it took a while to figure out who was who in there. So we thought Billy Gunn had like another pep in his step; he was moving all over the place. But here we go; it's his son, a tremendous athlete, great look, and I think he's got something special. It's awesome to see him give an opportunity like this.
0: Is Joe Hendry going to pin Shane Taylor tonight to get a shot at the ROH TV Championship? Because I don't like that booking at all.
2: Uh, I do not like that whatsoever. I think you can continue; you can t- you continue on what he's got going with Cancel. Go that direction, that's fine. You can do that, but do not sacrifice what you have with the television champion. No. You, need, you know, Shane needs to keep rolling.
0: Yeah, and Shane has been rolling. He's putting everybody down. Joe Hendry's been in the company, what, literally for like two weeks? There, there's no reason he should be getting a shot at a shot here.
2: Yeah, and he needs to continue to you know prove himself here. You know he's, he's got what's going on, like it or not. And we're not fans of, it, of what's going on with Kansas, but that's his direction. So you stick with that. Do not confuse the situation by bringing in the television champ. It, it's great that you got a spotlight on him here with a title opportunity. That you know it, it's in people's minds. He has this, this chance to go on to become a champion we don't need that right now continue to build stay true to the foundation traditional booking here and let shane continue to roll on but with that though yeah i would really love you know here shortly to see shane get into a, a real program where we have something to invest in because right now he's just rolling people over that just come as challengers through these number one contenders or you know proving ground matches
0: has anybody over the course of the last I don't know, the entire time that we have been doing this podcast, have you seen anybody grow as much as Shane Taylor has since the first time we talked to him?
2: Even if you go back and listen to that original interview that we had with him, you, you know, where he was, and, and he told us about his goals, you know, what he wanted to do. He, he set these benchmarks for himself. And you actually, you know, at the time, he's like, man, he, this is a very ambitious, you know, individual but he's setting some high standards for himself, but you go know, back and listen to it. He's, he's reaching those things. He's achieving his goals. He has set his eyes on success, and he is grabbing it.
0: Yep. I've, I've said it in private. I'll go ahead and I'll say it on the air. When the first time we talked to Shane Taylor was about a week, I want to say, after the Pretty Boy Killers broke up, the team of Shane Taylor and Keith Lee. And since that moment in time, Keith Lee has moved on to NXT. Shane Taylor with Ring of Honor. Shane Taylor's had the better career. like Without a doubt, Shane Taylor has just lightened the wrestling world on fire. And I'm just not sure what is going on with Keith Lee.
2: And, and I wonder, you know, this is just speculation. This is nothing that we were told or anything like that. It's just, you know, when you get that vibe and you're talking to someone, and, and I, I'm not going to say it's jealousy because, you know, Shane, that, that was his good friend. He wanted the best for Keith Lee and, and he went on to, you know, WWE, you go to the grandest company in the world and all this, but you got to believe, you know, somewhere inside of you. you know, like if you got picked up by, you know, some major brand, that, you know, they want you to come and produce or, you know, you went on to you know, do a show with a major personality Obviously, yes. I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm going to be over, you know, over the top for you. But with inside yourself, you use that as fuel and motivation to, you know, to better your game. Yeah. But, you know, to try to push yourself a little bit more. Absolutely. And it seems like Shane, Shane took that. He took that ball and he is running with it right now.
0: Yep. Um, I, I distinctly remember there was a band that we used to play with a lot that got a record deal. And we were just like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. Like, we blow these guys off the stage every time we play with them. How is it that they get a record deal and we don't? Well, it turned out they had a really bad record deal. And I kind of feel like it's the same thing here with Keith Lee and Shane Taylor. Like, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, Keith. You got that deal. It's not a very good deal, though. Well, I think, you know, when we talk about
2: Keith Lee, and even when he went to to NXT, we talked about how long he's going to be there. He's, you know, he's had some rough go of it, you know, just injuries and health-wise and all that. And sometimes it's hard to make that adjustment. But he doesn't scream the NXT brand, and we see that with, you know, with quite a few of those big guys. Uh, other people we've had on here, Punch, you know, Punch Martinez. He's having that little bit of that hard time there. You know, there's some, been some setbacks. Uh, with Dijak. If they don't scream that NXT brand. It's almost like, okay, once they can get by the, the, gold, and the, uh, the gold and the black, then they're probably going to have more success. They're going to be those people, you know, like the Elias, that's going to have that better success with the red and the blue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about Sunday's show going down in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is a hot market for ROH. For some reason, Milwaukee just loves ROH. Going down, we've got Lifeblood, all four of them taking on the Briscoes and Barbaro Cavriano. Triton versus Flip Gordon versus P.J. Black. That'll be an interesting matchup. Caristico, Stuka Jr. and Volador Jr. take on Okamura, Haichiro, and Ray Baccaro. Roosh and Jeff Cobb, they're going to tag up one more time to take on Matt Taven and Vinny Marcellia. Rick, I am incredibly intrigued in that matchup. The last time we saw Roosh and Jeff Cobb together as a tag team, there's a little bit of tension between those two guys.
2: Well, you know that's what it, they got. The kingdom, right? Yep.
0: To even I'm Marcel expecting the kingdom.
2: I, I think the kingdom's going to pick up a huge win here. I think we're going to see a breakdown. I think this is going to be, you know, we've been asking for it. Ring of Honor, give us some, you know, more interesting storylines, especially on the top of that on the top of that card. Here we go.
0: The Allure are going to take on Kelly Klein and Stacey Shadows. The Bouncers versus Villain Enterprises. That's uh, Brody and PCO. The Bouncers, very much looking forward to that. Shout out to Brian Malonis. Silas Young and the Josh the Goods Woods take on Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. Rick, there is tension between both of these teams. But it's all internally Woods and Young have a little bit of tension going on there, and Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham seems like it's just about to reach its boiling point
2: uh, it, it's going to be this one is going to be very interesting to watch for just like as you said, the dynamic within the two teams, not necessarily across the ring from one another. something's got to give here if you had to pick I don't, I don't think we're going to see a blow up between both. Jargo, if you had to pick one, what what is the the big focal point that you would take out of this match?
0: I think it's got to be Lethal and Gresham, right? I, I they've been doing this slow, slow, slow burning tour with John turned with Jonathan Gresham. It seems like it's time for it to happen to me.
2: You know, kind of as I, it, and I always love it when we talk things out here. And I'm thinking, you know, one team's got to be the focal here. What if? You know, what if Gresham got got to Jay and they both really got really aggressive and yet kind of turns young a little bit babyface, while while you're making the lethal go, you know, join Gresham and put those guys both over as these just ruthless heels now hey. that are just determined to climb these ranks.
0: Anything that turns Jay Lethal heel at this point, I firmly support. Firmly support a Jay Lethal heel turn here.
2: Now, could you see Young, though, in his gimmick? Don't change a whole lot. He's not going to be pandering, but a little bit of like that tweener baby.
0: Yeah, I could see I it. People would, I think people would get on it. Well, I, I think basically the story that you would have to tell there is, you know, Josh Woods has been trying to do things Silas Young's way. Maybe it's time that Silas Young tries to do things Josh Woods' way, you know? Or or a little give and take, you know, meet me in the middle of the road. Yeah, Absolutely. Your main event for this show, I'm I'm intrigued to see it, but I'm terrified that I already know the result. Marty Skrull takes on Joe Hendry. Rick, of course, everybody is talking about Marty's contract status here. Evidently, his contract is up in November. Did you know that? I mean, it's not like we've been talking about it for months, but all of a sudden in the last week, it's like all the dirt sheets got a hold of it and everybody else is talking about it now. I was just going to say, only if someone had been talking about this for I don't know what two months. I mean, good God, we were talking about this back at the garden. We knew when Marty's contract was up.
2: You know, it, it, was talked about then, We we knew the contract, and then we were making the argument. Go ahead and you know ride that pony to the finish line. Yep, if you were. Because the popularity and, and and what it's going to mean. But yeah, now now everyone's bugging about it. You no, know, we've been we've been on this thing for a while, and we've been talking about it. And now I've got everybody. Where's he gonna go? What's the speculation? Yada 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 here. We've we've laid it out over the course, you know, of the last couple of months. You know what, where he should go, what it's gonna mean to this industry, and what his value is on the market.
0: So I absolutely expect that Marty Skurull is going to put over Joe Henry, which I think is the wrong decision. Personally, I I feel like that's the wrong decision. What do you think?
2: I absolutely agree. You know, if you if you really have till November. Uh, just going back to what I just said, you got to ride that pony, and Marty is is truly one of your stars here. And, and Henry doesn't need this thing right now. You know, he's involved in something, and I don't. Even if you want to do, you know, hook and crook, that's fine. You know, have some antics, get Dalton involved if you want to try to protect him that way. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I could understand it. But I, I think you know Marty's going to win this thing, and it's just not Marty right now but it keeps everyone around him associated with villain enterprises looking great, especially if, you know, the leader here can go over. And eventually if he has to pass that torture, if it's essentially taken from him, it makes it that more meaningful.
0: Has Marty even had a creative program like all year? I can't remember one feud. Like I remember a whole bunch of matches, but I don't remember him having one creative program all year what we're talking about in
2: an individual who's one of their biggest stars and they don't even advertising for a bunch of big shows. He just kind of shows up and he's getting the biggest pop. You know, he's still the most recognizable name. He's still getting that, you know, that shine from, from bullet club and people still relate him with AEW and, and they're not utilizing that. It's, it, it's kind of asinine. It's like you have this great, you have this great feature. You got a steak in your kitchen, but you don't put it on your menu. You're not highlighting it. You're not sharing it with everybody because you're just worried about what it means later. No, and that's just, that's just asinine thinking to me that you utilize what you have at hand when you can. And then if he leaves, that's great. You know, and best to him going forward. But we saw with WWE this week. I, I saw a rumor that they have Rusev and Lana, sitting at home, they're going to let them write out their contracts because they know no matter what they book them with, they get over and people tune in. So they don't want that. They want them to go to the open market as, you know, almost
0: forgotten. That's a, with that. with yep, exactly. That's a problem with your programming. Yep, exactly. It's a problem with your programming. Well, because the thing is, is it's like it just causes more animosity towards the company. It's, it's kind of the same thing they did with Ambrose. Like you have Ambrose going out there and losing to EC3 and the fans don't get behind EC3 because that was a big win. The fans just shit on the company because we see what you're doing. We know what you're You're trying to bury Ambrose before he goes to AEW. Fuck you. Like, you know, it, it just causes more animosity. If they send Rusev out there and he just starts losing every week, putting people over, people are going to know what's going on. Well, and
2: again, it's not even that with Rusev, you know, it's no matter what you give him. I mean, you could send him out there in a little Debbie outfit and, yeah. he, you know, he's he's got a lollipop and he's riding a tricycle
0: or whatever. Yep. He'll get it over. He's such a good performer. He'll get it over. And people are going to love it. Well, and you know what, maybe if you would have gotten behind him when he was red fire fucking hot a couple of years ago when Rusev Day took off, but no, you you tried to push him back down the card because you didn't want him to rise. Like, listen to your goddamn fans. And, And that's one thing I'm hoping AEW does. It's like, as corny as it is and as awful of a gimmick as it is, as I'm looking at this AEW Tag Team Tournament, Right now, if I had to pick a winner, I would put those belts on Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. They are so freaking over right now. People love them. That would be a huge pop when they win that. And then you can have somebody come and take it from them, you know, at the next pay-per-view or whatever, but give them that moment. Listen to your fans. Well, you know, at least least
2: give them a couple wins in the tournament. Now, listen to your market, because even in a loss, now, if you pull them over, then you, you run the risk of, okay, it, it kind of goes back to like Slater and Rhino. You know, as soon as they got those titles, it was like, all right, um, all right, the ride's over. You, you can push a little bit more. You, you, can, you can toy with it. You can tease, continually to tease this thing and, and give people what they want. And it's, I'll even go here, you know, talking about, you know, the little project that I got going on the side here, uh, Hot Tag Wrestling. How long have I preached about being a traditionalist and, you know, uh, against Joey Ryan and some of those spots like that? What, what am I into right now? Bar shows. Because I see the market. I see a need for it. And now I'm starting to understand that consumer base and what they want. It's a whole different marketing beast. And I've got a couple local promotions here that are hot on me. And, you know, it's, you know we, we, write, we, we set up this territory. We've done this. This is completely different. I'm not marketing to that same crowd. They're family friendly, and those are people that are invested in wrestling. Those are the people that are sitting down and watching Raw and SmackDown and, and following AEW. Those are those people. The people I'm marketing to are the people that stopped watching 10 years ago that just want a little of that feel-good, what they loved from the Attitude Era, and they want the Wild West. It's a completely different atmosphere.
0: I remember I was at an NXT show a couple of years ago uh, when uh, the Velveteen Dream and Aleister Black feud was was running real hot and heavy. And there was this one drunk guy in the crowd who kept yelling during all the matches, grab him by the ear. Those are the fans that you're catering to. You're catering to a bunch of drunken idiots in a bar who in a fight are going to say, grab them by the cock. And that's how Joey Ryan got over. It doesn't work on a, on, a mul- on a huge platform like TNT or USA. It absolutely works in bar wrestling.
2: It, it, it's, it's something I have to embrace, and I have to understand that consumer and, and how to market to them. And, and now I, I'm, I'm kind of getting into it. You know, I, I know what they want. Yep. Uh, I know the styles that they want. I know how to pitch this thing. It, it's not gonna be, you know, something that is classic professional wrestling. This is going back to the roots. I mean, really to the roots. It's it's a sideshow at a circus.
0: To bring it back to ROH, what the ROH fans want is Roosh versus Matt Taven. And we're gonna get it. That match is now official, Rick. It's gonna happen at Death Before Dishonor on September twenty-seventh. Now, I guess my question is Number one, why are we not building this throughout the CMLL versus ROH tour? Why are we not telling the story of Roosh taking Matt Taven's hair? Why is Matt Taven not cutting promos on Roosh about how this time is going to be different and he's not going to win the ROH championship? Instead, we're getting the narrative that is being put out by the dirt sheets that Matt Taven's contract is up at the end of the month. Do you think that Matt Taven leaves Ring of Honor? If so, where does he go? And... Do you put the title on Bruce here? You know, I really took this, this this news. And you go back, we're talking about
2: contracts. You and I have been talking about his contract for a while.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, you know, what is his future and all this? I think because the lack of the story. And, and, and Ring of Honor is so guilty of this. And everyone says, you know, we always praise Ring of Honor. We, we put them over constantly. Yeah, we have a great working relationship with them. And we do appreciate their product. Uh, but one of their, their biggest flaws is when it comes to that championship, we don't get a lot of stories. They just they, they seemingly just ran, you know, just out of nowhere, hand out these number one contenderships. And while we've got we've got a little bit of character work in Roosh, we understand who he is now. We don't have that great dynamic between those two. So I think to add interest to this match, this might have been a leak from Ring of Honor.
0: Yeah, I just, I feel like they've really dropped the ball here. I mean, I'm sure that you could have gotten all that video footage from CMLL of when Roosh shaved Matt Taven's head. Like, why are we not seeing that in every video package on ROH TV right now? This should be everything. And as you're right, you know, how can they not get this? You're, you're on tour with them right now. Right. Like, this, this is the tour that you should be using to build this match. Like, and this should be a personal feud for Matt Taven. You know, we talk about Marty, as Marty had a creative program. Has Matt Taven had a creative program? He's getting all kinds of challengers. He's going out there in the main event, and he's putting everybody down. But have they given Matt Taven a creative program to actually sink his teeth into since he won that championship? This is the program. There's The story's already freaking written. You just have to tell people it.
2: Right now, there's very little creative going on inside of Ring of Honor. You know, there it's just, okay, Taven is his workhorse. Yes, he is, absolutely. It's one of the hardest-working champions in professional wrestling. He's going out there against top challengers left and right every night, every week, whatever. But there's nothing that you really invest in. And that's, what it, that's what's bringing Ring of Honor down when we talk about, you know, the dance war with all these different promotions, trying to get their way to stand out in that number two spot this is where ring of honor fails. Uh, you, you've got to invest here. You've got all the makings up and down this card, but especially at the top with Taven, there's so many stories you can tell where people are gunning for him and, you know, the vendettas, the just as personal issues, but they're, they're kind of just pushing those to the side and they're hoping that you just invest in the athleticism of the match. And it's not there. And that's why some of these matches fall very flat because, you know, you're expecting all this, but there's nothing emotionally to get into.
0: Yep. Completely agreed. All right, Huckleberry. So now it is interview time. We'll go ahead. We're going to throw it over here to the Teal Piper interview. Um, I I just want to put in a little bit of a caveat before we we start the interview here. Um, At the beginning of the interview, you're going to hear a song playing. That song is actually Miss Piper's song. Um, And I want people to listen to it very, very closely We talk about the song um, inside of the interview And I think you'll understand why I want everybody to hear it And uh, this interview is fantastic I had such a great time sitting down with Teal Piper So here it is, the interview with WOW Women of Wrestling's Miss Teal Piper We'll talk to you on the other side
1: change that comes
0: What's up, peeps, freaks, and geeks? Welcome back to this very special edition of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com presented by Hami Media and in association with Last Word on Pro wrestling.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but let's welcome in our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, she's an accomplished actress, an acclaimed author whose book Rowdy is available right now on Amazon.com, a musician slash singer-songwriter, the daughter of the legend Roddy Roddy Piper, one of the latest signings to WOW Women of Wrestling, who debuts tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Access TV, Miss Teal Piper. Miss Piper, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for
1: having me.
0: Ms. Piper, the first question that we ask to all of our guests typically is when you first found professional wrestling and how you got into your early days in the business, but you were literally born into the business, so I wanted to change things up a little bit. What's your earliest pro wrestling memory, and when did you realize your father's effect on the business?
1: You know, my earliest memory of pro wrestling that really stuck with me, um, because most of my memories were him being gone on the road when I was younger, but his um, match with uh, Hogan, when Hogan was NWO, as well as his matches with Goldust, that was the first match I really watched, and I did not respond well. I was crying. I was mad. You know, I I didn't understand why people would cheer when he got hit or, you know, all, like it was just too much for me to understand. So at that point, my parents just like banned me from watching wrestling for a few years until I was older and able to understand more. <laughs> um but I didn't actually decide to get in the ring myself so much later in life. I think I was trying to be my own person and trying to escape my dad's identity. So not be under his shadow. And then it wasn't until recently that I really embraced that. That's
0: fantastic. Um, As I mentioned there off the top, you have several accolades already inside of your entertainment career. In fact, you have several film roles to your credit, including Hell's Bells, The Portal, The Confession of the Exorcist, Psycho Sleeper. It seems like you have uh, an upcoming project as well called The Match Beyond. You have this affinity for comedic horror roles. Tell us a little bit about your Hollywood background.
1: Well, let me tell you, if you like terrible, terrible movies, I'm your gal right here. Uh, I have done them all. I love bad horror movies. I love good horror movies. I love sci-fi. Like I think that that's really my niche. Anything comedic as well. Um, But I'm I'm a big horror movie buff in general. Um, I always say that regardless of my dad being in They Live, I'm still like the biggest They Live fan because I'm kind of a sci-fi nerd in that sense. And, you know, I've been doing that for a long time and I'm, I'm never going to lose a passion for film and TV. And I think um, gore and horror and stint in movies a little bit prepared me for the trauma
0: of the wrestling world that I have now entered. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure the ba- acting background absolutely comes in handy. We, we've heard a lot of professional wrestlers who end up taking acting classes just to make their performances better. You have to feel like you already have one leg up on the competition in that respect.
1: I absolutely feel like I have a, an advantage as far as being on TV and being on the mic and feeling comfortable in my own skin with that stuff and not being afraid of you know, some people get worried about what they look like or how they sound, and I just go out there and make an ass out of myself, and I don't really care. But, um, the, you know, but for me, the challenge is definitely the steep learning curve in the ring that I'm on, and my focus right now is just completely on the athleticism, where some people come in athletes that aren't com- comfortable on the mic yet or any of that. I'm definitely coming in the other way around.
0: I've always heard it said that it is easier to teach an actor how to wrestle rather than teaching a wrestler how to act. Do you find that to be true? That's a great question.
1: I don't know. I think that they're both equally important. Um, I think at the end of the day when it comes to wrestling, you as soon as you get in that ring, I feel like within the first like week most of the trainers know if you're going to be any good at it or not, you know, and there's like a fearlessness that come that you have to have. Like you have to just kind of be willing to try these things and hope your body can do it. You know, and I think that if you don't have that, it doesn't matter if you're an actor or a wrestler or what, you know, like you have to have that ability in the ring.
0: In addition to your acting career, I also understand you currently have an album in production. Is that right?
1: I do. Sometimes I think I might be a little schizophrenic with how spread out I like to put my creative like outlets, (laughs) but I do. Um, Amber Eyes is on iTunes already. Um, That song is very close to my heart because the harmonica you hear on it, I actually sampled from my dad playing live harmonica. He was a great musician, and we were going to work on the album together, but Life had di- life had different plans, so that song's really special to me. Um, my next song, Animinity, will come out October 1st, and hopefully the album will be released at the end of the year. It's kind of a little bit on the back burner as far as completion, just because I'm so focused on training in the ring right now. And that's my priority, but that's my plan.
0: If if you were gonna put your music into you know the proverbial box, what genre would you say that your music lies in?
1: feel my music, much like myself, it doesn't do well in boxes. <laughs> I'm very spread out, as you can tell. <laughs> um, I really, the joy of self-production is I wasn't in a box. So I really, whatever song I wrote, I listened to all kinds of genres. And I, whatever song I wrote, I just wrote it in whatever genre I felt like writing it in. Some of it was influenced by the different producers I worked with um, or whatever I was listening to at the time. But in all in all, it's mostly alternative very eclectic there's some pop 80s feel in it as well
0: very cool in doing my research this morning I I read this crazy story that you and your father were actually discussing doing a duet together As, as a longtime fan of your father's I just I can't imagine him carrying a tune
1: yeah so oh my gosh so a lot of people don't know this he was an amazing musician he could pick up just about any instrument and play by ear even though he couldn't read a note to save his life Um, He loved singing. I think some of my earliest memories with him were him and I singing together and playing instruments. And, you know, he taught me a lot about songwriting and performing. And that's really where a lot of my passion for music came from. And fun fact, if you go on YouTube and look up I'm Your Man, he had um, a music video that is super fun to watch and like a cheesy 90s music video. Um, So he did put out a couple songs in the early 90s. But Working with him on the album was probably one of my biggest dreams, and it was very difficult when he passed. I don't think I could, even, I didn't even sing, I just dropped everything for months, months. It took me a long time. And then um, I, the first thing I worked on after his death was this song called Stay Strong, which will be on the album. And it's really me, it's, it's mostly a song about mourning him. Um, But it's also a song that I hope people can relate to for anybody that's lost a loved one. Um, And it just kind of walks through all those feelings you feel, you know, so it's partly about him as a person as well as just losing a loved one. Um, So that was difficult, but we we were absolutely going to work on a song together. We weren't sure if we were going to do original or cover. We were playing around with the idea and it just
0: didn't happen in time. What was uh, your, your dad's like go-to record? Like It's Friday night, he's sitting at home, maybe he's had a little bit of the bubble, yes. and, and he wants to go and put little, something oh on. Oh my
1: gosh, a little bit of the bubble. <laughs> By the way, can I just throw this out there? No, Piper did not steal the belt. It wasn't me, guys. I swear. <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not about to go steal from Chris Jericho.
0: My money's on <laughs> Ralphus. Interesting.
1: <laughs> Good guess so a little bit of the bubbly um <laughs> forgot what the question was now i'm laughing about
0: that <laughs> what, what 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 was your your dad's like go-to record what was he putting on right. to unwind
1: you know he loved he would work out to straight up old scottish and irish music like he loved that irish scottish folk music he listened to a lot of johnny cash lead belly he was very into the older genres um what else did he listen to? He did. I would occasionally catch him listening to modern stuff. Um, I know he listened to some corn occasionally. He was a big fan of um Waits. What's I'm, I'm like spaced on his name. Waits. You know who I'm talking Tom about. Waits? Yes, Tom Waits. Big fan of him. He used to play him all the time. Um he loved alternative music. Um, but anything that had like a lot of heart behind it. You know, he wasn't into like cat like what was on the radio he was into things that told a story and had a heavy meaning
0: in early 2015 your father began researching his own autobiography sadly an opportunity that he wouldn't have to finish but you and your brother actually took on the obligation of finishing the project i have to assume that that was quite the undertaking not only in the writing process but emotionally for both of you tell us a little bit about the book and maybe something that you learned about your father that you didn't know before you started researching it
1: so Craig Payette, the editor um, on the book, had actually traveled with his dad and done interviews with people of his past because it was interesting. This book was—he um, wanted to write it for the family. He wanted to get his history straight. He had been in so many matches and had done so much in his life that there was genuinely a piece of his life that he didn't even remember and was trying to piece together. And there's a chapter in the book called The Jesus Years that, in my opinion, is one of the most interesting chapters, and I call it that because— we used to joke about how in the Bible, Jesus had like two decades of like nothing. And then all of a sudden he's back and you're like, well, what happened then? And my dad kind of had that same like blackout time in his life so we would joke with him and call him, oh, it's his Jesus years. We don't know when it happened, you know? (laughs) Um, (laughs) So it was sort of an inside joke that we called it that. Um, But he, unfortunately he passed and Craig Payette called me up and said, Hey, would you be willing to finish this book? And of course, my first thought was, I'm going to need my brother's help because he at the time knew a lot more in the wrestling game than I did. And I knew a lot more of the movie scene. So I was like, you know, I think the two of us can get it done. And it was very hard and very soon to be forced into that kind of project. But I was very, it really helped me through the mourning process. And it helped me, I learned new things about your parent after they pass. And not everybody gets that, you know, it was, it really helped me It forced me to mourn and it forced me to go through that process. And it was one of the best things I think could have happened to me at that point in time. Um, So the Jesus years, you'll have to check out that chapter because that whole chapter was stuff that we was probably the hardest chapter to piece together.
0: Most recently, you've found your way into the world of professional wrestling following in his legendary footsteps. Just a couple of days ago, I got to sit down with one of your trainers, Miss Selena Majors. And then yesterday, I had a conversation with Mr. David McClain. Both of them informed me that you called them. You wanted to come to WOW. What led you into this direction? And tell us a little bit about your training with Miss Majors.
1: Absolutely. So I was looking for a place in Los Angeles to start training and, um, cause I didn't want to relocate. That was my first priority. I was like, well, let's start training here and see if I'm even good in the ring, you know, cause I didn't know, or see if I enjoy it. That was what all the old timers said. They were like, well, well, little Piper, why don't you take a few bumps before you commit too hard? Because you might not like it. (laughs) They're like, you'll know quick once you get in the ring, if you're going to like it or not. You know, so I knew I needed to find that outlet. Um, David McLean and I share a mutual friend, uh, Barry Bloom and he, he, uh, you know, he introduced us and they offered their facilities. And I was like, yes, I would love to come train there. And as soon as I got there and started working with them and Selena Major's amazing like it's just such an honor to be able to train with her and as soon as i felt um kind of how they work there and what their show was all about and how much they've done for women in wrestling over the years and really been at the forefront of all that i really wanted to be a part of their show at that point you know before that it was just like i was training there So then I was like, okay, I'm going to bamboozle them into a job now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This past Saturday, you made your much anticipated debut with all elite wrestling at their huge show in Chicago, all out. You were certainly one of the women with the most buzz coming into the buy in battle Royal. Tell us a little bit about the experience and what was it like for you finally walking out onto that stage for the first time?
1: (laughs) I, first of all, the more I talk to other wrestlers, I think I might have a record for the most uh, people at first my first match ever. Ooh, like most that, wrestlers that like first match has twenty people. Right? I haven't met one wrestler that wasn't like, Oh, my first match had twenty people. You must be nervous <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, Ah, just a little bit. I I don't know. I think I might have a record for that. We got to find out. But um, I couldn't have been. It was so many feelings. You know, it was surreal. It was nostalgic. When I came out, I got this huge pop from the audience. And I knew it was because of my dad, you know, because I hadn't done anything to get a pop yet. I just came in and they just went nuts. And it was so nice of them and so awesome. I felt like I could just turn around and see my dad coming out. And I felt that same pride I used to feel watching him come out when I got that. And It was it was really a, a great confidence booster I needed before I walked into that ring and just got you know myself handed to me. Uh, <laughs> whatever, it was my first match. Those were very hard girls to be in the ring with. <laughs> um, so it was so many emotions. Um, I, I'm very proud of myself for doing it. Um, and I definitely learned a lot. Um, and I can't wait to get back out in the ring again and try, hopefully I'll be in there longer the next time.
0: <laughs> well, you say that you you didn't do a whole lot to get into that spot. One thing that you did do was you had that killer promo on the road, to uh, opposite of Jake the Snake Roberts. I got to tell you, as soon as I saw that promo, I was like, oh, this girl's going to be fine.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. I think um, promos, you know, like we were talking about, a lot of people come into wrestling good wrestlers, and it's the promos they struggle with. And for me, that's just... Something maybe I've just talked loud my whole life. I don't know. It's just me. I'm just exaggerating it. So the promos really feel natural to me for the most part. Um, so that isn't the area I felt. I you know it's definitely the in the ring technique that I'm really focusing on right now, improving and just training as hard as I can to try to bring that up to par with all the other talents.
0: You'll be making your big debut for WOW on the upcoming taping September 18th at the Belasco Theater in Los Angeles. As the big debut date for WOW is coming up, tell us a little bit about your feelings and emotions leading up to the taping.
1: I am really excited for this taping. You know, I've been... I've been watching um, their first season and their next season premieres Saturday, September seventh, on Access TV. Um, so I think every season they've just really been upping it. You know, the, the the production and everything has been so great, and the skill level that those girls bring to the ring is amazing. And they've just really been like, it, they have something very special there to offer audiences. If you're a wrestling fan, you have to check it out. It's a very unique package you won't find anywhere else. And so to get to be a part of it and get to see those live shows, I'm very excited. I cannot wait to get in the ring and stir the pot, if you will. Uh, <laughs> you know, as far as what I'm doing, you guys are going to have to tune in to find out. But I- I'm-, I'm very excited for the 18th and 19th. I literally have a calendar I'm Xing off dates for.
0: Season two kicks off this Saturday night, like you mentioned. It goes live at seven or eight PM Eastern Standard Time on Access TV. That's seven PM where I am here in the central time zone. Ms. Type Piper, I'm sure that you're gonna be watching the show closely. And as you mentioned, you've been watching all the back seasons. Is there any of the wow talent inside the locker room that you're particularly looking forward to punching in the face? <laughs> all of them uh no um, tessa
1: blanchard i just i can't help to notice how pretty her belt is and i kind of want it but i feel i have several matches i'm gonna have to get through before i even qualify for a championship um she's a phenomenal talent and i'm the kind of person that if i think you're great i want to get in the ring with you and i want to test my own level out you know so i definitely have my eye on her um, you know, she talks about being third generation, but I just have to say that my great-grandpa was Tupper Tombs and so I'm technically a third generation too. He was a boxer. So just throwing that out there to you, Tessa. <laughs> um, there's also so many other talents. There's Beast, who I'm kind of afraid of, but in, like, a great way. Like, she's just <laughs> awesome in the ring, and I would love to get a chance to work with her down the road um, as well. There's so many good people there. Steffi Slays is another one that... She's just so happy, and I just kind of want to ruin that for her for just a day, you know? She's a nice person, and I'm not, and I think that'd be fun. You know,
0: you, you have an affinity for jumping straight into the deep end. You know, you debut in front of 13,000 <laughs> people, and the first person that you call out is the champ. You got no fear, do you?
1: I don't. I don't. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I probably should be,
0: but... Not my problem right now. <laughs> it's Women of Wrestling WOW Season 2 on Access TV kicks off this Saturday night. Ms. Piper, we'd like to thank you very much for joining us today. Why don't you tell the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks how to find you on social media and how to keep up with the WOW superheroes?
1: Yeah, so this Saturday night I will be live tweeting during the season premiere, so check me out on Twitter at teal. I'm also Teal Piper on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, you can check out my music on iTunes under Teal. Um, check out wowe.com. That's the wow's website if you're interested in coming to the shows or want to learn more about all the performers and athletes there. It's, it's a really incredible production. So I hope you guys check it out.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ms. Piper. And hopefully we'll get the opportunity to sit down and do this again soon.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me.
0: Feels like a good one, trust me.
1: <laughs> I bet they're all out of answers. But where I come from, we're taught to change the questions. It's time to pay the piper.
0: All right, so we're back for segment two. That was the interview with Miss Teal Piper. While Women of Wrestling debuts tonight, Huckleberry, on Access TV, eight PM Eastern Standard Time. And actually, here probably by the time this episode drops, they are running a season one marathon on Access TV leading up to the premiere. Are you excited for WoW season two? Hey, I'm ready to get back to the action.
2: You know, it's one of those it's a hidden gem within professional wrestling. Anyone out there's not checking it out. You're complaining. You want you want something different. You want variety. You want great excitement, and action. Well, Wow brings that, and it's it's so amazing, you know, that especially with yourself there, Jarko. But you know, for the show and for the network and our platform, this tremendous relationship that we have with them.
0: Um, Also on the feed, if you scroll back just a couple of episodes, you will find my interview with the head trainer at WoW, Miss Selena Majors. And yesterday we dropped the interview with WoW creator and founder, Mr. David McClain. Second time both of them have been on the show. And Rick, it was it was pretty funny. I was on the phone with Mr. McLean, and as he was starting to talk to me, uh, Miss Samantha Smart chimed in and jumped on the line. So, if you download the David McLean interview, you can hear a couple of minutes there with uh, Miss Samantha Smart as well. She had to come on and explain to everybody once again how IQ superior she is.
2: Well, you know, hey, like I said, it's such a tremendous relationship that that the platform has with them and. We've had them all, you know, they're they're multiple times guests here with us.
0: Love that show. If if you're looking for a wrestling show with over the top characters, wow, is absolutely the show for you. It reminds me so much of those '80s studio wrestling shows. I absolutely love it. Um, Rick, now it's time to talk some WWE this week. Um, And there's there seems to be a lot of news coming out of WWE, let alone what is going on inside the ring. Number one. We have had a big creative shakeup inside of the company. Ryan Ward out as the lead writer of SmackDown. It seems he is taking a temporary leave of absence from the company, which is never good. Ed Kosky, who has been the head writer for Raw, is moving to SmackDown. And Jonathan Backstrom is going to be moving from 205 Live to Monday Night Raw to help out Paul Heyman. So it looks like as we get ready for the Fox deal, we're going to have all new creative teams in place.
2: Yeah, it, it, it really the way this thing pops to me, you know, people are talking about it. There's this shakeup and all this. I don't know how effectful it is. I mean, because you're just it's the same pieces and, and you're just shifting them to different positions.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely valid. The Ryan Ward one is the one that really kind of bothers me. Ryan Ward was responsible for all those great years down in NXT. They moved him up to the main roster, and it just didn't seem to work. He was doing SmackDown. Vince didn't like the SmackDown scripts. He was tearing them up and rewriting them himself. I can absolutely see where Ryan Ward is just frustrated and needs some time off.
2: And I think it's more telling to the structure of the company itself. You know, we regularly, you hear fans and all the circles we run in and anywhere you go, you look at that disconnect, that seemingly disconnect from NXT to the red and the blue. And it all comes back to Vince. And now it's just not on air talent. Now we're seeing it with, you know, these seemingly great minds that we've seen come from NXT where everything was hot. And you've even seen a shift from NXT since he left. So, you know, it's there. What's the difference? What's the game changer? What is this overall shadowing figure? It, it's Vince McMahon there, and it goes. It, 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 everything falls right back to him. Is is his vision? Is he not getting this, or what direction does he want? And it makes you. It, it worries you. And they can say whatever they want. I know Triple H has been on the campaign trail. NXT is going to be NXT. Blah blah blah, but eventually. Everything comes back to Vince. And now that you're going to have this spotlight of programming on USA Network, how long until Vince says enough is enough. And he has to feel that, you know, he's got to have his influence there.
0: Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to impact NXT, but we know it's going to impact the red and blue. And Rick, once again, I think this is just a terrible idea. October 4th, the debut episode of SmackDown on Fox. They are doing the 20th anniversary show. They're bringing back all these legends. They're going to try to pop a huge rating. Then on the second episode of SmackDown on Fox, We are going to have the WWE Draft. They're bringing back the draft concept. We're going to have separate rosters for both shows. It sounds like this is going to be a hard brand split with two creative teams, two different rosters. I don't know if NXT is going to be impacted inside of this draft or not. But at least the superstars from the red and blue. So we had the superstar shakeup right after WrestleMania. The week later, we introduced the wild card rule. Nobody knows what shows anybody belongs to to begin with. So I guess we're just going to throw everybody into free agency and have a draft.
2: I'm not as, I'm not as opposed to this as you are because we knew this was gonna, this was coming. You know, these networks want to know. You know, who are our stars? Who are we going to market? That they're not really hoping for the crossover. Okay, you got to watch this show on Monday. Tune in to us on Friday because we want your eyes on our programming on Monday. We kind of knew this was coming. I'm more interested in how they're going to present this thing. Do not give me this last couple years, this cheesy ass shakeup or, you know, or what they've been doing matches the picks that they did for a while or just randomly coming out here. I hope they really dive into this thing and make it look like a true draft. Give me the NFL draft that t- that Friday night. Hey, you've got the you've got the means for it. even include include your uh, your NFL studio team. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Talk about things. Show, show me show me a war room where people are planning things out. They're plotting. Okay, we'll, we'll take this guy here. But put in some rules, okay, we're going to take this guy here, but there's somebody that comes off the board here, have the general managers put together a team of of experts where they're sitting there and they're talking about who they want. Show us those things. Make this the NFL draft, the hit that it is.
0: How are we going to do that? Are we actually going to feature Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman as the faces of the brand? I think you do. I think you have to. let's,
2: Let's be real. Let's be real about this. People are familiar with them. They're going to get people excited, and they don't have to be featured every week. You need to get away from that. But for this episode, for this draft thing, I mean, imagine this: you've got like Bischoff sitting in his war room, and you know who's on staff now. I mean, you got Jeff Jarrett sitting there. You got Hurricane. I mean, think about these these war rooms that you could have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you include NXT into the draft? I would have.
2: A little bit of because he is recognizable. I would have Regal representing NXT. Uh, and, and if you really want to to grow, you know, to bring some recognition to that brand, and you'd be very selective about it, I, I'd say if each war room is allowed maybe a certain number of picks from NXT, but then Regal immediately can pick one of yours off to bring to his brand where he's not really involved, but you know, kind of going back to this theme, this wild card thing. So you got to be very careful. If you want somebody from NXT, that's fine, but he can poach somebody from you.
0: So basically, if you take somebody from NXT, NXT gets a compensatory pick. Yes. I can get behind that. I can get behind that. You know, it's something that has a different
2: dynamic to it. So there is a little bit of, you know, what they like with that, you know, that anything can happen sort of theology there.
0: Let's talk a little bit about NXT and their move to USA Network. Of course, we have another week left on where it's strictly on the network at one hour. Next week, they're already giving away Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. Rick, I thought they were going to sit on this for a little while, but this thing's going down next week already.
2: I think it's a teaser. I don't think we're getting to finish this thing. I think they know they've got something special. This is a program you can build on. And this is this is just gonna try to chub people up. This is the fluffer.
0: Then we get the move to NXT on USA. The September eighteenth and September twenty-fifth episodes are going to be splitting time between USA and WWE network. So the first hour will be live on USA. The second hour live on the WWE network. Rick, this is because of suits. The, the final two episodes of Suits are going to be airing on September 18th and September 25th on USA in that second hour time slot. So week one, out of the gate, NXT is being preempted by USA original programming.
2: Well, and, and, and I get that. You know, with Suits, it's one of the most popular programs. You know, it's something they've had a tremendous running with. You, and you don't want to, oh hell, let's just say, you know, you don't want to piss off that court. Uh, that that might be wrestling fans. It, it seems like you, you could make that link. Uh, I'm not really into suits. I've seen a couple episodes, but yeah, I could see where there's a crossover appeal there. Uh, I think if if you're WWE, you should have just held off on this thing. It's almost like you're coming half ass out of the gate.
0: Yep, exactly. That that I would have waited until September 25th to debut. It it's, it shows
2: more of a like a panic mode. It shows that you actually fear AEW, that that, you're, that you believe that you've got to get out before them at any cost. And what it's, I think what's really going to do, it's going to confuse people. Okay, these first couple of weeks I, ha- I can watch half the show here, but then i got to go to this other platform? I think it's going to turn people off to it.
0: I do too, especially the viewers that don't have the network already. I mean, they're only going to get to see half of the show, you know? That's cool. I'll just watch AEW instead. Uh, The September 18th episode, they are advertising two big matches. Number one, Roderick Strong versus the Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship. Rick, do you think that the Undisputed Prophecy finally becomes fulfilled as we saw Undisputed Era take down the Street Profits to regain the Tag Team Championships? Adam Cole, baby, still on top as the NXT Champion. Is Roddy going to finally strike gold?
2: Uh, let me let's you know just rewind and it just just has to do with this match as well. What part of the show are these matches going to air on? We don't know. Okay, so you're going to give me let's let's say I mean these are big matches. I mean these Absolutely. are these are marquees. So you think they're going to be you would think they're going to be main event. So now I've got to sit through what what you're really pitching to me is a pre-show. Then I've got to order this whole other network. If I don't have it already, or you you can go out of my
0: way to to switch everything over to go watch this. I mean, what kind of selling point is that? And then you got to hope that the network works because the network is shit since they updated it. And then on the flip side, let's say they do put these matches on,
2: on, you know, USA. Then what the hell reason do I even have to go watch the network? I mean, this is a lose lose to me. Yep. Uh, But to answer, to answer your, your original question there, Jargo, I think anything but dream going over is
0: a huge mistake. I think you're if, making your, I think if dream loses, it's obvious he's going to be part of the draft. Yeah.
2: Well, and I coming out of the game. I mean, that's another stumble to me. You want to get people intrigued that you're going to see this amazing character. That is the perfect example of what professional wrestling is. I mean, he's athletic and uh, he's got the look, he's got the style. I mean, the character is there and you're going to, and if you pull it over, you know, Ronnie. there, I mean, and this
0: is nothing against him, but he, he's the average Joe. I do That's like, not how you sell wrestling. I do like the idea of establishing Undisputed Era runs NXT on the first episode of USA, though. I, I do like the idea of having a heel faction as you know the dominant force inside of the company going into the show. The problem is that dominant heel faction is actually four of the biggest baby faces on your roster.
2: Well if you want to put them over his heels and you know to this newer, this broader audience, that's fine. You do that post match. But you got to make sure that Velveteen is absolutely highlighted, that he wins this thing, you let him hit all of his big spots, you let him do all you know every little gimmick he's got. It's about selling him right now. This is you know, this is pulling out the new car at the showroom and letting everyone look at this thing. He is your driving force going forward.
0: Roderick Strong burned his couch. Burned his couch. Dream was beside himself. We're also gonna get a triple threat for the women's. NXT championship number one contender position. So it's going to be Io Shirai versus Bianca Belair versus Mia Yim for a number one contendership, which I find interesting that we're doing after Shayna Baszler versus Rhea Ripley. I guess my biggest question is, why isn't Candice included in this thing?
2: Uh, You know, this goes back to what you were just talking about with uh, with Velveteen. It's I think she's she's destined to get a, that call up. We talked about this a few weeks ago. She can she can fly. I mean, she's got everything that they need up there on the red and blue, and one of those networks is going to love to have her.
0: God, you would think so. I mean, because when I look at you, a lot of these women inside of NXT, Candice LeRae, EO Shirai, Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, I take all of those women over anyone that's not one of the horse women on the main roster.
2: You got, you know, Candace's, I mean, she's Kelly Kelly that can go in the ring. Yeah. I mean, anybody in any any form of entertainment, any walk of life, I don't care what industry you're in, but I mean, she's money. She's the girl next door. She's got this incredible work. That, that she, she was the bubbly before
0: there was bubbly. She's got it all. Well, speaking of the bubbly, I guess we should go ahead and bring this up. Uh, Miss Scarlett Bordeaux was at the WWE Performance Center for a WWE tryout. Rick, do you think that the WWE brings in Scarlett Bordeaux?
2: I think, you know, you, you might see a lot of WWE signings that are just just because you want to sign them, right? I mean, we've already seen this.
0: Keep them away from AEW.
2: Well, you, you go back to, yeah, I mean, because you don't want that exposure over there. You know you're not going to use the gimmick to to its extent what it could be. I mean, if they want if they wanted to even go that risky, they wanted to go that you know that direction. They don't even need Scarlett. I mean, you have that with Lana, you have that with Mandy Rhodes. You you have a you know a, a cabinet full of her already on your roster.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of like Seth Rollins said. You know, we already have a better version of you. You know, it's, right? I I don't see it either. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what happened on TV this week. The women's division has completely taken center stage. Bailey's ratchet. Yeah. The Bailey heel turn. This has to be the lead story of the WWE week. So Monday night on Raw, we see Bailey and Becky, the champs, versus Team Hell Yeah, the tag team champs. Sasha comes out, interrupts the match, hits Becky with the backstabber, goes to hit Becky with the chair. Bailey takes the chair, and she stands there awkwardly for about 30 seconds trying to decide which one of these two brats am I going to hit. And she finally goes after Becky, the big Bailey heel turn, and the place pops huge. We've got yes chance as Bailey's laying in chair shots. Rick. I just I don't understand like this doesn't make any sense to me and it doesn't make any sense in the respect that we have a heel turn on the number one baby face and the fans are behind it and supporting it it's just I don't no matter how you slice it this is not good
2: taking the fans you know I mean the issues that they've got now with how the reaction is happening and how they should book this thing I think it's more of a they're not really embracing the attack on Becky. It's just finally you've done something because you've ruined this possibility. We talk about this regularly. I mean, they could have been printing her own money with Bailey, but they continued to do nothing for, for years. They, they put her in a spot where you absolutely, you didn't give a shit. You didn't care one bit what was happening with her. And now you've got something. So that was the reaction. It was more of a thank you. You finally did something. Rather than she's attacking Becky.
0: Then Tuesday on SmackDown, Bailey comes out, cuts her delusional baby face promo. I absolutely, I really liked Bailey's promo where she's out there and she's like, I'm the same Bailey. I'm being a role model to your kids. I'm showing loyalty to my best friend. Like I absolutely love that promo. I love the delusional heel that still thinks that she's a babyface. but then Charlotte comes out. Charlotte cuts her heel promo talking about how she is the most selfish woman on the roster. And, you know, at least what you see is what you get. I'm not pretending to be something. I'm not Sasha comes out and we have, Sasha and Bailey beat up Charlotte Flair, and Rick. This is terrifying if you are a Charlotte Flair fan because everything says they're gonna turn Charlotte babyface, and Charlotte sucks as a babyface.
2: Well, yeah, you, you got to keep the queen in any. No one thinks about the you know the the nice queen. You want an evil. You want a wicked queen. You, you want them as that villain. What they should have done here is just let. even if even if you eventually get with Bailey and Sasha going after Char shar that's fine, but build to it. I mean, you're giving away stuff too soon trying to rush something here for a program. This thing could have festered for a while. You know, you have Shar-Shar you have come out there and, and lay out what she said. You know, I'm real. You do whatever you want. live in your delusional world. I'm going on with myself. I'll see you at Night of Champions. Let that go. Let them beat up other people. You know, and, and, make, and make Becky the target. This kind of reminds me going back to, you know, the storyline when the NWO came to WWE, you know, it was, you know, they, they were mad at Hogan. We had our target. We, we were going to single out one individual. We're going at Austin, but they got pissed at Hogan because his ego and everything wanted, you know, wanted everything with the rock. And that was ultimately, you know, what was their undoing here? They should say targeted on the man. They should stay targeted on Becky. And, and why should Charlotte care anything about this? I mean, she's got just as much beef with Becky than anyone. She's got, she just got defeated at WrestleMania, one of the grandest moments. Get Becky two belts walking around. Stole that opportunity, history-making. Charlotte can never get that back. Why should she give a damn what they do to Becky? She should just worry about her championship opportunity. She's about collecting gold. She's about chasing that 16. That's what Shar
0: about. So now we're telling the story that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. As Monday night on raw, it's going to be Becky and Charlotte taking on Sasha and Bailey. Like, this is just, it's bad all the way around, man. They're making this thing way too convoluted. This was not the time to reunite Sasha and Bailey. They should have just kept Bailey and Charlotte on SmackDown, kept Sasha and Becky on Raw, and just let them do their own thing. Well, and you know what
2: they're doing? This just goes back to what we were just talking about with television. They feel that they've only got this certain shelf to, to, to do this in, because they're going to have to define where these these talents, these individuals are going to.
0: Yep. Let's uh, talk about Lacey Evans, who I don't know what roster she belongs to. I'm not sure that they ever actually decided what roster that Lacey Evans belongs to. Lacey Evans takes on Natalia this week. And Rick, this was the best match that Lacey Evans has had on the main roster. And now we're hearing, oh, it's time to push her to the freaking moon again because she had a good match against Natalia. And this is another one of those, if you can't have a good match with Natalia, maybe you shouldn't be in this business.
2: Well, I think this goes back to, you know, a a bigger issue, which you've always pointed out. And it was your worry. We know when Lacey even came up, she's been gone for a while. You don't think she's been working this match with Natalia? You don't think they've been planning this thing? Absolutely.
0: They've been rehearsing it for weeks.
2: And it goes back, that's what she needs. I mean, the character is there. The persona is amazing. It's that when the bell rings, there's that disconnect. Yep. And and with Natalia, you know, I I point this out quite a bit here, and I I jump on her about it. She's she's very robotic. Everything is very timed out. She's going to plot a match-out that's going to be tremendous for you. As long as you can be in your spots, she'll carry you. And that's
0: what we got. This push in Lacey Evans to the moon thing again is just a terrible idea. I mean, we we we've seen the result of Lacey Evans going out and having matches. If you got two to three weeks for her to practice the match and rehearse the match and go over the match, she can do it. If she's got two to three hours, it's going to be a train wreck. Like the match against Bailey, like the match against Charlotte, the matches against Becky just don't understand when you have the, the, that crop of women that we have down in NXT you could have Tony Storm up there right now but you know let's go with Lacey Evans I just I don't understand yeah, no, the logic it,
2: it, I disagree with you there to an extent and I got in, in a, a com- I'm with you 100% In ring, less is gonna be more with her. You need to pick your shots. You know, only have her wrestle once a month on television. So she can work out her matches until she gets you know, until she gets that flow, until she feels that. But when we're looking at that persona, we're looking at that look, how you're gonna publicize that. She has tremendous crossover appeal, especially with her background in the military. That's something that you could really show and, and shine, especially through Fox if she goes to SmackDown. I mean, I can absolutely imagine her at a NASCAR race, you know, waving the, you know, the green flag, something like that. She's going to be amazing in those spots. She sticks to that character. She's someone that is that can sell professional wrestling. That's where you use her at. Then each week, you know, you show her out doing her things where she's out with the nasties or she, you know, she's with the people she's doing all this, this PR circuit, And then maybe once a month you get her to the ring. It's not a case. we got to get away from this. We need these talents to go out there and put on matches every week. Less is more with individuals.
0: Fire and Desire defeat Team Hell Yeah on SmackDown non-title because, of course, the champions have to lose because that's the only way WWE knows how to set up a championship match. Uh, Rick, so I'm assuming Night of Champions is going, this is going to be a rematch for the tag titles?
2: I would assume so, and we're probably not going to watch it because it's going to be on the kickoff show.
0: Yep, there you go. Let's talk about King of the Ring. Uh, Rick, I guess we were completely wrong. Like, basically, all of our choices to win this thing are out of the running now with the exception of Ricochet. Uh, Yeah, you know, on the Raw side here, I hate what
2: they did. I hate this triple threat thing.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, and it's nothing more than an escape hatch. That's exactly what it was. We saw Baron Fuckface Corbin defeat Cedric Alexander, and then of course Joe and Ricochet ends up in a double pin. Which Baron Corbin, you know, there was two different ways that you could really, really spin this thing for Baron Corbin. He just gets a bye into the finals. You know, maybe maybe we restart the match. There's a that was an option. No, we're we're just gonna say both guys move on. It's going to be a triple threat in the uh, semifinal. This is just freaking stupid, man. Like, Do you remember that time when uh, the the two basketball teams were playing and they finished tied at the end of the game? So the next game, they just had three basketball teams all go play each other at the same time? Wasn't that the national championship this year?
2: Wasn't that yeah. it, you uh, it had three teams out there, right? Two basketballs, three teams,
0: 15 people on the floor. It's like you people don't have any idea how a fucking tournament works, do you? It's just baffling. And
2: and I actually thought with the way they presented this thing, because it's not uncommon through if you go look at the history of the King of the Rings, because it's hard, you know, to get those matches into like a single night, but I know this one's spread out, but they usually do. They have something like a double count out or, you know, both people are eliminated where you see like a heel, a big heel like that get a bye that moves them on to, you know, the next round or the finals or something. This whole thing, it just screams an easy out. You, you can't make a solid booking decision. You're afraid to hurt anybody. All while,
0: it just screams that Baron Corbin's going to steal this thing, right? Well, I think what I would do is I would go completely the other way. I would have Ricochet pin Joe inside of the triple threat. So Baron Corbin is eliminated from the tournament without ever losing, and then he can complain about it for the next year.
2: I had thought maybe you have Ricochet, Tim Corbin, and then Joe goes freaking crazy afterwards, and you have a Joe turn of sorts. He's still Joe, but now since he's taking out Corbin, now you're getting the people that want to cheer for Joe, all those Joe chants. You're putting motivation behind that now. And and then this was the Joe that we've been waiting for, the guy that comes up short every time as in your narrative a heel. Now we're behind him. He's still a badass. You know, it's, it's it goes back to when people in ECW were one hundred percent behind Taz. You you kind of recreate that character.
0: I don't think there's any question the winner is either gonna be Corbin Joe or Ricochet, right? Like there there's no way Elias or Chad Gable is gonna win King of the Ring.
2: I wanted to bring up that other side of that bracket and ask you something on this thing. I was, com- I was shocked. I mean, you talk about things in wrestling that, that really surprise you, and it, it's, it's few and far between when we get to those points. I was shocked that Gable won
0: that match. I was shocked at both of these. I mean, I, I absolutely thought it was going to be Mustafa Ali versus Cien. Think of how good that match could be. But instead, you're going to give us Chad Gable versus Elias? With CN,
2: I I wanted to bring this up with the other news, you know, and outside of programming, what's happening in the ring, WWE news has been, you know, much bigger than that this week. We've got Ric Flair in a little bit of a legal dispute with, with WWE over the trademark or, you know, the use of the man. And, you know, everything we've listened to, it's such great knowledge that has dropped every Friday, how many media groups the Friday locker room with Ben Humming and Stevie Richards. And, and you listen to Stevie, who's been there, and Ben's had ties in with OVW, and, and you hear all these stories coming down. Could this have been a bit of a punishment on CN? Like, all well, right, we can't do this to Shar Shar. We're not going to get Charlotte on this thing. But you know what? We're a, little, we're a little pissed that this thing has come out, that Flair went to TMD. We can't go on his daughter. Let's go out with her boyfriend.
0: You know... If we haven't heard all those stories, you would think that, no, there's no way that they did that. But hearing what we've heard, yeah, I could absolutely see that. And that's sad.
2: I mean, it's, it's believable, isn't it? From everything that we've heard and yeah. what we know from the inside sources, you know, how petty they are.
0: Yeah, yeah Absolutely. I don't know, man. I think I'm going with King Ricochet. I think that, that Vince just went to tag Ricochet on Twitter about something and saw that his name was at King Ricochet and just thought, oh, well, we got to make that make sense now.
2: It works. You know, and it, it's going to be a great, a great elevation for him. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting. You know, what are the plans for these individuals as we go into this, this new regime or era Uh, between these two different networks. You know, it's something that we haven't seen in a very long time. If, if, hell, I don't know, if ever.
0: At least it gives him something to work with because Ricochet's promos have not been very good. You know, he's he's not comfortable on the microphone. That's always been the rip on Ricochet. He's incredibly talented in the ring, but he has the personality of a doornail. At least this gives him something to work with.
2: Well, I... I I like it in the sense of it gives him something familiar. And as long as they can recreate what he was then, you know, using that persona. uh, But I do worry that they'll go over the top and try to push this royalty thing on him. And when you force that, you're going to put him in an awkward position that, you know, he might not be able to execute.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, you can't turn him heel out of it either. Don't make him like the egotistical King because Ricochet as a heel just does not work on any level. He is, he should be Ricky, the dragon steamboat. That guy should never turn heel. His, his moveset is too damn flashy to be a heel. I
2: absolutely love the comparison
0: and even the look, you yep. know, you, you look at, you look at
2: Ricky steamboat, you look at the dragon. It's just a guy you want to like pull up a barstool with or anywhere, you know, you just want to talk to him. You, you want to sit down and just hang out with him, hang out with the dude. Ricochet has that look about him. He just looks like a nice guy.
0: Yep. Let's talk about Roman. Yeah, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Eric Rowan, attempted murder. Rick, this storyline is so incredibly convoluted, and it doesn't make any sense. I guess my only real question to you coming out of this thing is, what's going on with Daniel Bryan? Because now we know that it's going to be Roman versus Rowan in the, you tried to kill me, so now I have to pin your shoulders to the mat for a three-count match. But where does this leave Daniel Bryan? Because we saw Eric Rowan choke slam Bryan. It seems like that pairing is now completely out of the window. Are we turning Daniel Bryan back babyface? Is he going to be the new, new, new Daniel Bryan? This
2: this whole thing it, it, it lost me for a while. It, it, this thing lost me a while ago. My biggest issue is when you get into these things, and, and like you, you always bring this up, Jargo, When when you cross that line. Attempted murder. I mean, how does this thing end? I mean, someone has to leave the company, right? Whoever, you know, either Roman leads, which we're not, that's not going to happen. Or, you know, who the culprit is has to leave. I mean, how do you exist in a workplace where someone tried to murder you?
0: Why aren't the authorities being called? (laughs) Yeah, uh, you tried
2: to murder me. I'm going to prove everything. I'm going to make everything right by pinning you in a wrestling ring.
0: I And I kind of like Brian's, you know, I understand a lot of you people don't agree with me and my psycho, wacko, vegan, left-wing views. I can accept that. But one thing I'm not is a liar. And so we know that Brian is telling us the truth, whether we want to hear it or not, which has always kind of been the basis of this new Daniel Bryan character. But now we're putting sympathy on Daniel Bryan. So, like, is he no longer angry vegan Kurt Cobain? Is he, like, nice vegan Kurt Cobain now?
2: Well, I think ultimately, all right, so we're in the story. You know, I'm not going to complain anymore about it. we got to talk about solutions, how to get out of things. Wouldn't you use this to put more heat on Bryan, where ultimately he was the mastermind behind everything?
0: Well, I'm wondering if this is just the end of Brian's involvement altogether. Because, I mean, remember, at one time, Samoa Joe, he was wrapped up in this program. And then once we found out it wasn't Joe, he was off to go do something else. And then Buddy Murphy was involved in this entire thing. And he went out and he had a couple of good matches trying to clear his good name. And now that he's no longer needed in this story, we haven't even seen Buddy Murphy on TV. So I don't know what the hell they're going to do with Daniel Bryan.
2: What do you think, you know, this got you know, one of the, the stories hitting the news cycle, the rumor mill and all this, are they just trying to work themselves out of this thing by almost like, you know, like a banana, just like peeling off the parts until they can just get the hell away from this?
0: That's kind of how it feels. Like, this is so bad. How do we fix it? Um, let's just go to Roman versus Rowan and move on like get 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 a fresh slate going into the fox deal we don't want this stink on the fox show let's just wrap it up and then we can have roman start fresh going into fox
2: well i think that's it you know we've got a couple weeks let's just ride this thing out let's let's drive it into the ground let's kill this thing we made a mistake we tried something you know give them credit for that they tried something different
0: Yeah, it just, it didn't work. And in typical WWE fashion, they overproduced it and they just made it too convoluted. There you go. So let's talk about the Firefly Funhouse, because that's not overproduced. I freaking love Firefly Funhouse. But Rick, we we got a big tease this weekend, and it is a story that William Alessia has been reporting inside of the Hameen Media Discussion Group for weeks now, and I was just choosing not to believe him because, you know, sometimes information's right and sometimes information's wrong. I didn't think there was any way in hell that they were going to rush The Fiend into a WWE Universal Championship program but the fiend says that he wants the winner of Braun Strowman versus Seth Rollins. I don't understand why the fiend would give a shit about winning a championship when he could be doing much cooler things like taking out stone cold, Steve Austin next week. Uh, I believe undertaker is being advertised for next week as well. You, you could start setting up the WrestleMania program there. Like that's the storyline I want to see with the fiend. I, I, There's nothing about the fiend that feels like it should be a champion to me.
2: Well, it's the two counterpoints there. Uh, With the championship, it's ultimate control. It's the universal championship. You control the universe. So you can manipulate and everyone becomes your puppet. That's his directive. I mean, that's your logic behind why he would want to be there. To the bigger picture, and we're talking creative lines, the reason you inject a fiend into this or even, you know, hint and show that he has interest in the championship or what's going on between Braun and Seth is because no one really cares about that program. So let's take the hottest act you've got. Let's, let's take what people are really talking about, what people are interested in, and let's shine that light over on this program that no one really cares about.
0: I think the bigger issue here is how do we turn the fiend into a baby face character? Because people absolutely love this thing. The t-shirts are flying off the shelves. We're heading into Halloween season and those masks are selling like hotcakes. People are going to pop for the fiend. People are going to cheer for the fiend, regardless of who he's in the ring against at this point. Why don't you cut your losses and find a way to turn him into a baby face?
2: They might be heading that direction. And, you know, I just, I love when we talk things out, you know. Uh, I didn't even think about October, hell in a cell. You know, it's, I mean, what's going to sell that gimmick better than the fiend in the cell?
0: Right, exactly. You know, Halloween season, those masks are going to be just flying off of shelves. Right. But is that really the impression you want for the big, bad heel? Like, No, no, this is gatoring completely the opposite reaction of what it should be.
2: Well, you know, whoever he faces, if it's Braun or if it's Rollins, and most likely Rollins in there, uh, you're going to kill their, you're going to kill their momentum as as a baby.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Whoever goes in there is going to be, you know, it's going to be that It's going to be sacrificed. I mean, they're going to be the lamb at the altar. And you're going to have to go with a hard turn for that individual. And I like something you brought up there. When we're talking about these these former stars returning, what do you think the reaction would be? Because we've seen, you know, they were hoping that there would be sympathy, you know, with Mick Foley, with Jerry Lawler, whoever it might be. What do you think the reaction would be if he actually, if the fiend got his hands on Stone Cold Steve Austin?
0: I think you have to do that on Monday night, don't you? Uh,
2: I, I, but what do you think that reaction would be? I mean, you're talking about one of the most beloved superstars of all time. I mean, are we going to get this huge pop if he throws the mandible claw on Stone Cold?
0: I think we do. I really think we do.
2: And you want to talk about getting momentum behind you heading in October into these TV deals or just, you know, anywhere. In, in, In any
0: walk of life, you want to get that momentum behind you. You have to have that moment, don't you? You would think so. You know, like, I almost feel like we should have waited to do this until Roman Reigns was champion and then do the double turn. You know, like, like have the fiend come out and everybody's going to cheer the fiend over Roman Reigns. And that's what makes Roman bitter. And that's what leads to the turn where it's like you are cheering a freaking murderous psycho over me. Like, what the hell is wrong with you people?
2: You know what I'd even do? You know what I built towards that. I don't know when you do that. I love how you lay that out there. You, you got everyone cheering the scene. I have Roman dropping, hitting with a Superman punch, and he's the first one that puts the fiend down for a moment.
0: Yeah, I I just I feel like this the fiend as a heel, it's too cool. There's no way people are going to boo this. It's just, it's too Well, you know, it it
2: speaks to, you you look at who's, you know, who's running some things backstage, and they're old school, and Heyman seems like he's up on the times, but you look at a lot of, you know, those agents, your producers backstage, they're from that traditional thought, you know, if we do this, this is what a heel does. We got to look at society. You you look at who people, who they idolize now. Uh, you, You get, like the Suicide Squad, you know, people love the Joker. You know, Superman's one of the most despised, you know, hated individuals now because he's too, like, goody goody. You you look at all the, uh, like, the devil's rejects. Those, you know, they're they're sensationalized. People gravitate towards those sort of things now. And people, they love this personality. They they get a kick out of the funhouse and then they love the dark, twisted side that you get with The Fiend.
0: Yep. People are going to support it because it's good. It's gonna be a fascinating few months inside of the WWE, that's for sure. As this this move to SmackDown happens and like wait, does the fiend fit on a roster? Like, okay, the fiend is drafted to Monday Night Raw. Does the fiend character give a fuck if he's drafted to Monday Night Raw? If he wants to show up on SmackDown, he's gonna show up on SmackDown.
2: What, what if what if the funhouse is drafted to one and the fiends drafted to the other?
0: Well, you know, that was actually the original idea behind uh, Stardust. Cody was going to play Cody Rhodes on Monday Night Raw and Stardust on SmackDown. Could have been a good gimmick, but, you know, fuck you, Cody. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then find us over in the locker room this Monday, HackerHameen.Podbean.com. RBB and I will be there for your Raw and SmackDown preview and whatever other news may break over the course of the weekend. Visit our friends over at LastWordOnPearlWrestling.com. They've got a real nice write-up on that Teal Piper interview, I bet you. You bet. William Alessia, advanced copy. Shout out to your boy. Uh, Jamie Greer and staff do a great job over there keeping you updated on all the news from around the professional wrestling world. Then visit our friends over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargoRBV. Tell the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks how to find you.
2: You know what? Uh, here shortly. We, all the love we get the will because all the and rightfully so, he's earned every bit of the praise. We got to have him on sometime. Uh, you know, talk about his journeys and you know yeah, how he gets involved in everything that's going on, and not to get too much away, but you know a little bit how he gets his scoops and, and how he's progressed through his journalist career there. But an amazing job as always anywhere. And I just want to you know share it once again. Last word on pro wrestling. How many media discussion groups on Facebook? You don't need to go. To the other sites you don't need to you know go through all the bs what's going on you go straight to will you're going to get the scoop you're going to know what's going on i don't even remember the last time i've been to a dirt sheet. it's either go to the groups go to last word on pro wrestling or just at help you know just ask will and stuff. Yeah, hey, what's going on here i need this info for the show here's our run give me some background he contributes so much just to our show so major shout out to him but to keep up with uh me rick victory across all social media at the real rvv ready to wrap things up. Get out of the studio here because I got to get ready for a showdown in Ohio. It's the Bearcats versus the Buckeyes. And this is uh, one of the few times a year I'm a very lonely man in Northern Ohio.
0: Looking forward to talking some sports over the course of the weekend. Special shout-out to our friends over at Women of Wrestling. Find them online, wowee.com. Be sure that you tune in. Access TV starting up here in just a couple of hours. They're going to run all of Season 1 leading up to the big debut tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Access TV, WOW Superheroes, Season 2. We'll talk to you Monday inside the locker room for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! your
1: fingers. Label me. Yeah. I don't, don't give you. up. I'll be your back.
0: the bad guy.
1: Try pin the blame on me.
0: I smell self-righteousness. That's the bad guy. Go! Oh. Ah.
1: Get home with me last night, of so I'll be your bad is. girl